Okay, great. Well, hello. Hello and welcome to Radio Zaddy. I'm uh, Daisy TG and I'm here with... Hannah Bestwick. Um, and we're here to talk to you about all things queer, as usual. Uh, we're here to teach each other about a new topic that we may have only just explored this very week. Um, thank you to everyone who's been interacting with us on the social media. Um, don't know how it works, but it's very exciting. <laughs> Such an old person thing to say. <laughs> We're such dinosaurs, aren't we? Oh, we are. Oh, we are. All right. Um, yeah, so the social media, that's uh, it's kicking off. It's alive. It's very exciting. Um, mm. And it's it's run by uh, run by a couple of couple of dinosaurs. Um, I shouldn't I shouldn't throw you in the mix. So I, I am I am thirty um, this year, so I'll be joining you soon. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's been really heartwarming to see how um, how many people are, are listening, and um, we're hoping to really grow that um, sense of uh, yeah community in, in the podcast world. Um, so if yeah. there is any topics that you think uh, you'd love to hear about, please do get in touch. Uh, Radio Zaddy on um, Facebook and, and Twitter. Not Facebook, that's a lie. Uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. Yes, and that's Radio Zaddy, Radio X-A-D-D-Y. Um, how's your week been? Um, my week, it's been all right, actually. I've like, uh, I had an interview for an upcoming episode on Monday, which was really, it was really exciting. Um, a really good uh, topic. So I'm excited to put that out after this one. Um, and then the rest of the week, honestly, I've just been reading loads of manga because I'm a big nerd. And I've had lots of time yes. on my own uh, here in the flat because I'm home alone. So that's what that's what I've been up to. What about you? Yeah, I've been, um, I've been doing a lot of reading. Um, yeah, I finished the Zadie Smith book of essays that uh, she published right at the beginning, um, just after the first lockdown, about sort of her kind of journeying back from, from New York and... and it's just so strange to see it all written, you know, as a kind of novel, uh, as a novelty, the idea of, you know, kind of lockdown and, and um, she talks a lot about like society and society and like the way we're responding to, uh, to the pandemic and also, um, yeah, some other kind of cultural things that happened last year in 2020. Mm. So it's just really interesting to kind of <laughs> read it now as a kind of, I don't know, bitter point of hindsight. That is really interesting. And who, who's it by? Zadie Smith. Zadie Smith. Who sort of grew up in uh, North North London, Northwest London area. Nice. And kind of teaches in, in New York, I think. Um, and it was about sort of her, her kind of escaping the, the city as uh, many of us many of us did in, in different ways. Um, that sounds really so good. So I've just finished that. Um, and then I've been... I've got really into my my topic this week, and I actually um I've got I've got loads to say, <laughs> and it's actually quite relevant to um to my sort of day job. I work in um, digital advertising, right? Uh, so I'm going to talk about um technology this week. Oh, cool! And I think you know technology is huge, right? So I didn't realize I was like, oh, I'll just dip my dip my toe <laughs> in. Uh, no, it's huge, and I'm going to have to talk about um sort of social media and like the online space is a separate. Separate episode. Okay. Okay. Because um, what I want to talk to you today about um, is AI. Oh yeah. And um, artificial uh, artificial intelligence technologies and how that can be sort of compared to uh, you know a queer uh, queer narrative to how there's a certain amount of queerness within that. Mm. So um, I think I'll just I'll cite my my sources. Yeah. Because um, I've done I've done a lot of I've done a lot of reading. Um, of course, you know I will kind of preface preface this with me being a bit of a yeah a bit of a dinosaur and a bit of a technophobe <laughs> so this was sort of my uh my kind of baptism uh of, of fire gone all in into into this 
Yeah, I really have. Um, properly nerding out, it's been great. So I read um, a blog uh, from the Objects as Text series from Brown University, um, Interactions with AI. Oh, is that, you used that before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah they've got a bunch of really great articles um, Yeah, on Objects as Text and there's a lot of queer material in that cool. um, from Brown University. Really great uh, blog. Nice. VentureBeat venturebeat.com article um uh, which i'll explain a bit more about later queering online spaces uh thesis by matthew gregory carrasco not sure if i can just you know steal his thesis but uh (laughs) i have i'm citing him i'm citing him and the uh queering machines study by adam poulson edward villaronga and roger soda on researchgate.net as well as an article on uh, internet lab which was called Drag queens and artificial intelligence. Should computers decide what is toxic on the internet? Ooh. So that's kind of yeah. what you can expect from uh, from me this week. So I'm going to be talking about like the role of uh, AI in um, curating content and the kind of content that we as queer people um, are exposed mm-hmm. to online. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also going to be sort of talking about um, AI as uh, as a queer narrative itself and um, what comparisons we can draw between um, the queer experience and between yeah between the two basically. Nice, nice. For example, like the lack of um, maybe a, a physical body or visual uh, representation, for example. Mm. More on that later. And I'm also gonna. I am gonna talk about the kind of existing issues for queer people uh, with the advantages, um, with the advances in AI technology and um, and the world we live in, basically. Yeah. And then I think next episode I'm gonna go more into kind of queerness in online spaces in the virtual world. Um, that sounds good. Because I think that kind of warrants an episode. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So quite a lot to get through. Well, let's go. Again, this is yeah. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, there's so much so much great information online um that i urge you to you just get down and get down and dirty with it like it's a huge part of our future huge part of our lives and it's not going anywhere kind of whether we like it or not so i'm really going to try and get with get with the times (laughs) (laughs) so i'm going to talk about um i might talk about uh, chatbots uh, as well as kind of physical robots uh, gender and objectification but also uh, kind of invis- the invisible artificial intelligence that curates our experience mm. um online so i think i'll start with that i think i'll start with gender and um i've always yeah i've always found it a kind of huge uh problem or just a bit weird that um robots and machines are kind of if they're assigned a kind of perceived gender i've always found that really weird mm. um because i think you know it, it incurs its own set of uh, gender kind of bias and it it does change the way in which we interact with it yeah i mean i just know how i how i kind of interact with um my like echo or you know if you're interacting with the chatbot online like a customer help service or something mm, yeah. um you do sort of if it has a if, if it has a voice or whether it has a kind of a perceived kind of certain name you might kind of interact with it quite differently yeah and sometimes they'll even give it like um what is it a stock image of a person that's either either a man yeah. or a woman or, or um, a non-binary person but whoever you perceive that picture to be is what you imagine the ai chatbot is and you're like yeah it does change how you act right no it definitely does so the first kind of example I'm going to pull from is in the, uh, in the 90s, BMW car group uh, famously recalled their female-voiced uh, navigation system um, that it was using in a kind of series of uh, five cars at the time mm-hmm. um, because it was apparent that the German drivers were refusing to take directions uh, from uh, from, a wo- from a woman, basically. Um, and so the company received like a huge amount of complaints uh, calling for the voice to be changed. Um, they were really up in arms about it in the 90s. BMW then attempted to uh, clarify 
uh, with the people complaining that uh, it was it wasn't the voice of a, a real woman. Yeah. But in fact, it was a, a computer giving them directions, and um, they actually went so far as to say all the people who had designed the GPS and the directions were male. So they felt the need to, to oh, clarify. Wow. Don't worry, it may sound like a woman, but it was made all by big, strong men. By, made by men, yes. Um, so it's such an extreme reaction wow. from the German customers towards this female kind of voice navigation system. Um, and it made the case for this quite obvious, deep-rooted cultural um, set of prejudices um, surrounding women and driving at the time. And I think perhaps, you know, there's a case to be made about the power struggle, power struggle there and, and male drivers maybe not wanting to take direction. Mm. Um, but I think what I think is really interesting is uh, the way the company responded to these complaints to sort of reassure yeah. the drivers that it was in fact only a machine. Yeah, it's like they gave in, right? Yeah. Didn't defend it in any way. Like, you know, only a machine. And it was, it was definitely programmed by men. And I just find that completely bizarre because, you know, AI, the whole point is that it doesn't have a physical form. Yeah. It, it exists in this, you know, through code within the virtual realm. And, yeah. Um, and it's not, a, it's not a person, so it can't have a gender either. Yeah, it can't be a, a terrible woman driver because it's not, you know, it's not a woman. It's not a, it's not a man either. It's, it's, it's a computer. It's a computer box. And so this was, this is a huge, hugely emotional response to something, which from the people who are interacting with it, it's really kind of, I don't know, like, it's really kind of struck a nerve with people, purely based on the voice and the stereotypes that the voice carried mm, right yeah yeah so um for those perceived kind of female voices in non-bodied ai um you know like the uh, bmw gps or, or you know alexa or um or siri or something like that there's often this kind of negative connotation um if the ai is uh, adopting a dominant role or giving instructions which is interesting mm, that is interesting so people just don't want to be told what to do basically yeah and or they they're very specific about who they will be told what to do by right yes got you which is very sneaky so i was kind of thinking about like you know without the presence of a physical body or lack of a visible you know or lack of visible representation you know there can be this a lack of um engagement so you might not want maybe you're not going to take a, a chatbot on the bmw website seriously because it's not you don't relate once you realize it's a chatbot you're not connecting it to a kind of a human or anything that's worthy of kind of human respect or interaction right yeah right you know we can argue that to some extent people fear what they don't understand and perhaps that you know that's why there is maybe a lack of um respect or, or willingness to engage with certain kind of um traits within like the robotic world mm. i'm coming across like this kind of advocate for like robots you know rights for robots um <laughs> which maybe is read i robot then yeah <laughs> but in terms of vis- uh, visibility i think we can draw a direct comparison between ai and queerness for example you know if we never see trans people or, or queer poc um in positions of, of power or um or authority like what message does that send to the wider population yeah. uh, about how to treat those people in everyday life. You kind of get, end up with a situation where they're, you know, people are seen as enigmas almost. Yeah. Or, you know, or worse. Outsiders and things. Yeah, like an outsider, something in, invalid or, you know, or worse, you know, we'll just ignore them, you know. Like, oh, we don't really understand that. So we just, we just won't, we won't bother engaging with that because we don't get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I see that. So, I, you know, I question why technologies are be- are still being developed to carry a, a relation to a human perceived gender at all. You know, let let robots be robots. If you're not human, it seems completely, completely weird to have a human gender binary kind of thrust 
upon you you know we're, we're trying to you know not do that with actual humans but we're, we're still doing that with um with ai and with and with robots you know as soon as um a robot is identified as, as male or, or female it automatically will come with that um you know those preconceived set of social constructs and they kind of it's forced to kind of exist within that um, yeah because then yeah like you identify in in its creation you identify what it's going to how it's going to be is it going to be a, a lady chatbot or a man chatbot and then it's yeah. its responses get encoded based on what a man or a woman is perceived to do like how they mm. are supposed to or, or expected to behave and then it just completely reinforces that because you could actually program that to be to, to like to respond in any way in any way that you wanted mm-hmm. that didn't have to depend mm-hmm. on any stereotypes but because you decide it's going to be in one of the two uh, genders that you think it should be then it's going to yeah, exactly. affect your your creation of it there's nothing i think yeah exactly yeah it's all biases 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 yeah biases yeah you're, you're automatically kind of sort of tagging it and connecting with it and forcing it to kind of yeah to go down those paths of, or patterns um and kind of continue the cycle aren't you yeah um whereas you know if you've if you've got an, if you look at it as a as a neutral digital specimen, yeah. say you kind of allow the occupant to exist in that in between, you know, a gender existence that is uh, or can be uh, authentic and and valid as, as as either as neither or as both. You know, it doesn't mm. it doesn't matter. It can it can encapsulate encapsulate both genders or neither genders or a whole new one altogether. Yeah, I was thinking actually. I, I'm fairly sure I heard. Or like I read a conversation with someone and Siri, where they asked Siri if if it was a boy or a girl, and Siri was just like, "I don't understand gender, or I'm not, I can't be confined within such small uh, parameters, or something like that." Which I think is a fairly new thing that it actually responds yeah. to that sort of question. But there's still this idea that Siri is a woman because mm. it just it's almost like that kind of pervasive view of a artificial intelligence being a, a servant to humanity and the. Yeah. like more subservient quote gender is supposed to be women and so i think people tend mm. to associate ai helpers with women yeah yeah definitely definitely so i th- yeah there's this it's huge call for uh, developers and um and companies who are you know developing these technologies to consider this when you're building them um you know building these technologies and consider how they're going to affect the everyday lives of you know people who are already pretty marginalized mm. you know like the lgbt community for example i read this i read a great essay by uh georgie please uh gazotto i'm not sure if i'm well saying done. right yeah georgie uh please gazotto and um it was about uh, ai narratives and queerness um where she discusses uh the cyborg manifesto by donna haraway not sure if you've read that oh, i don't know it sounds great though yeah they really they really go in um go in on uh it's kind of like a book review but they also draw in lots of really great sources um so definitely uh, recommend you give that a read but it's basically um, kind of discussing like how we should celebrate the cyborg as a as a way to dismantle perceptions of how humans should naturally live and kind of mm. thus opening your mind to queerness and and neuro atypicality and, and transhumanism so i've got a good quote from the essay where she says uh, the cyborg embraces identities that can't exist in the world of normal humans so it can go beyond where normal humans can. What for humans would be considered a perversion, a deviance, a malfunction, to the cyborg is a perfectly valid mode of being. Which I like. Whoa, I like that and I think lot. it's great. I think it's, you know, seeking freedom in a in a human world that is, is not free and kind of recognising uh, the places where as human beings we, uh, we, can't, we do fail people. And I think that really resonates with queer people. You know, this kind of sense of otherness that 
uh, we all, uh, well, many of us will experience kind of throughout our lives. Mm. So it's all yeah. kind of, it's all quite meta, you know? Mm. Yeah, that is, that is. There's a lot in there about like building and restructuring bodies as mm. well and the kind of narrative towards trans people. There was a an, an article, that, no, I think it was an essay I was reading about Frankenstein um Frankenstein's monsters and the comparison between the 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 perceptions of transness as monstrous mm. um in that kind of building a body and and changing it and and uh altering yeah. the original form and it's it's quite it's a really interesting parallel um that was drawn I must find out what that was called actually I can post it up yeah that sounds super interesting so you know i identity impacts both the development um and the and the user interaction uh, with robotics and AI. So if queer if queer language expression and interests are not captured um, during that development process, this may lead to further discrimination and lack of representation you know, down the line, um, leaving mm. the queer community powerless and above all invisible. Um, you know, and that's could be to do with like you know the data that's out there, and maybe queer people are not disclosing so much data online that it's it's hard for AI to kind of to draw from and you know you can you can relate it to so many things can't you um Mm, you really can but you know it's just yeah it's having that um you know when you're building you know during the development phase like uh, you know how much being conscious of how much you are kind of leaving up to how much is going to be kind of impacted and lead to um discrimination and sort of yeah erasure essentially so let's uh yeah i'm gonna look at the i'm gonna look at these biases um that exist already within um within ai and how they affect um the lgbtq plus population Mm. part of the you know part of the queer narrative is is adapting to systemic limitations and, and technology should be no different you know we should be questioning this all the time and you know asking why it is how it is and and why ch- chatbots have yeah. genders <laughs> don't just accept what's given to yeah. you yeah so it's less about you know attempting to blend in to survive and more about asking for change asking asking why um and changing and yeah changing the way we we develop things so a lot of what i'm about mm. to say next draws heavily from um a particular article uh, that's called um it's from internet lab and it's called drag queens and artificial intelligence should computers decide what is toxic on the internet very good question mm. and it's a really yeah it's a really good good um yeah really good article it's got loads of like mad mad data in it so if we look at large uh, social media platforms like uh, you know the giants like facebook and twitter and youtube um these companies have actually begun developing their own ai technologies already to um automate decision making um w- uh, regarding like content removals so it's not just mm. you know sort of biddy somewhere saying like oh that's inappropriate it's it's actually um ai is doing that and um (laughs) it's a female presenting nipple there (laughs) get it off that off um these uh machine learning technologies are usually um focused to identify particular content um you know such as images and videos but also written text um and were developed as a way of sort of moderating hate speech but but they often fail to identify the intent of the speaker and i think that's probably the biggest the biggest failing really mm. um because a huge portion of lgbt language you know includes reclaimed yeah reclaimed words like like dyke and, and and queer and things like that that would you know if said by the wrong person is very offensive and the intent the context and stuff too yeah definitely um so it's about it doesn't capture um yeah it doesn't capture the uh, the intent of of the language um and all those reclaimed words that that maybe um you know, they may be labelled or detected as speech uh, intended to harass members of the LGBT community. So it's really difficult for a robot to mm. uh, to decide which content is uh, socially valuable and, and 
um, and inclusive and what is um, hate speech, basically. Yeah, it's one of those things about like the, the Trump tweets, isn't it? It's just like there's so mm. much you can read into it if you want to. But his, his the actual words that he uses kind of don't yeah. actually make that much sense. If you're trying mm. to understand it literally, it, like it's it's like very complicated yeah. childish language. But then if you're wanting to read into it, yeah, read hate definitely. into it, you can easily. And that's kind of why he gets away with saying or has mm. until quite recently gotten away with with just saying so much on on twitter and now he's banned for life so yeah like that. i think yeah the, the trump example is is a really good one um because as you say you know the it's not it's not flagged um you know the language is very simple it's not using words like sissy or fag or whatever it's you know or saying anything like overtly you know racist or or anything or xenophobic in the actual like in the words and in the language but it's just the robot can't uh, doesn't mm. take into account you know the whole the bigger picture yeah like with this stuff about um trans people in the mm. armed forces so speech that may be flagged as, mm. as kind of sharp or, or impolite may actually be a lot of the time um a method of protection and survival we, we you know we always talk about um reclaimed words and and you know, and also um, it kind of bears to bears the question of whether you know how are LGBTQ people supposed to raise awareness of online abuse without risking being sort of removed themselves? You know, somebody might put up you mm. know a picture of of some uh, online abuse they received in order to kind of rally you know rally people and to, to say look this is my everyday reality and that might be kind of taken as flagged as inappropriate content for example and then removed and could could inv- you know could result yeah. in that person being completely you know kicked off the platform entirely. So one uh, example of this kind of stuff is um, a recent study that uh, analysed several drag queen Twitter accounts using Perspective, which is a, an AI-driven tool uh, measuring the toxic, uh, toxic, toxicity levels. Wow, toxicity levels uh, got there nice. in the end of online content. Um, and the study found that the tool flagged a significant number of drag queen accounts as having high perceived levels of toxicity, um, far higher, uh, for example, than white supremacist accounts which was just like just mad if you think about it so the evidence does suggest that you know without understanding the context entirely um the content moderation tool um was kind of was hindering the free speech of quite a marginalized community um already drag queens are by no means the most marginalized you know they have a huge social following but yeah it's just you know that language was being flagged as inappropriate and and this is mad uh so the study in the study, they, they used the Donald Trump account um, and it came up as having you know, far less levels of toxicity um, than Bianca Del Rio, Monet Exchange, Sharon Needles and Katia, who um, all were found to be like having super high levels of toxicity on their on their Twitter accounts and having having content hidden oh my God. all the time just for, you know, um, using words, using words like bitch. Yeah. You know, people saying like, yes, bitch or like you know refer referring especially like in a really kind of empowering way like if um if somebody received an award or something they would say like yes bitch like get it bitch and that would be flagged as like highly 98 percent mm. of the time would be flagged as toxic content fag sissy you know yeah um these kind of words but also gay and lesbian and queer were all flagged as being sort of between 50 and 76 percent as being kind of flagged as toxic so yeah just even just using our identifiers that we use yeah you know that's just that's just language that's wow. just how we you know descri- that's how people are described yeah and yeah 76 percent of the time the word gay was coming up um being flagged as as a negative um toxic word it just seems a little bit like no queer people were involved in the making of this <laughs> Yeah. well uh we don't know or we don't know yet okay 
But yeah, give, maybe we'll find out at some point. Yeah, get yourself down to your local testing centre of, uh, you know, AI <laughs> technologies. Yeah, so regardless of content, you know, words is gay and lesbian and queer, um, which should be neutral, right? We're already taken to signify to- toxicity, which, you know, is a huge oversight and, and bias of the of the tool yeah so i think you know thinking about the literature on queer linguistics you know a lot of the time probably most of the time within the lgbt community those words are um largely positive and you know really important to the to the makeup of of queer linguistics actually you know they are they are being reclaimed yeah so it's a shame you don't want to whisper under breath do you (laughs) it's that whole thing about people being like you know the neighbors they're lesbians exactly and just like we want to be able to identify ourselves kind of proudly and loudly and not you know have to put a star in the in the word gay in order to post on social yeah, exactly. media when you're talk, like trying to promote some kind of event or something it's just like I don't know it's just geared against yeah. us even the robots are against us yeah, Daisy. Like, you know you're trying to be neutral um you know you're trying to be positive or at least neutral and actually you're being flagged as negative and you know I think that kind of reinforces erasure yeah. essentially that's what it comes down to and you know, it's policing already marginalised communities online um, due to these embedded biases within the technology. Um, mm. And it's automatic. So it's not even like it's it, it just has this additional level of like it doesn't need thinking mm. about nobody. We don't even need an actual person to look at this because, you know, this is a, this is a machine's work. Yeah. And the machine thinks that queer and gay and lesbian are all dirty words so that's fine just get rid of all that content it's like there's so almost like so little human care put into that process to be like that's hate speech that's not hate speech and instead what they've ended up doing is erasing actual queer online presence mm. and leaving on there hate yeah, speech yeah. I mean, ultimately it hinders it hinders freedom of expression and it silences people who are already falling um between the cracks within the structures of society mm. and you know the on- online society is, is no feel angry i'm so angry about it I feel i feel really angry <laughs> yeah i mean i i was sort of furious <laughs> when i heard this because it was you know i was like oh you know of course katia is way more um outspoken than donald trump but also you know she doesn't have a, as big a following obviously not anymore but like these are really powerful people who are not being kind of judged by the mm. same you know, under the same magnifying glass. And, you know, it's automatic, as you say, like, it's not the fault of the AI. It's about, you know, how, how it was programmed in, in the beginning. And I think it's, it, you can, you shouldn't be afraid to kind of revise that and to say, look, it's a bit yeah. outdated and, you know, maybe we need... And like, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll it'll cost loads and it'll take loads of time, but like, maybe that's what you need to take on. Mm, maybe that's invest in it. what people need to do. Big companies like uh, Twitter and Facebook, they have the money, yeah. they can do that. It's interesting you say, like, that... You know, Donald Trump has such a huge following, had a such a huge following, and it's. Al- I almost have this feeling that, like, why, why are they being, why are they being monitored using the same automatic system compared to, mm. you know, regular Joe who's tweeting about how angry he is that he can't go to Tesco in the pandemic. Mm. It's all, it feels like there should be tighter scrutiny the more of a following you have because you have more, you'll have more influence. Mm. And so, you know, it's, it's all, I almost feel like there should be more scrutiny. <laughs> scrutiny. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah, I think, you know, and I think it does need to, um, you know, the visibility and representation of, of queer folk in, um, in technology, you know, it needs to be this kind of needs to be brought right to the right to the front because it, it is these it's automatic biases, you know. A, com- mm. a company that is it doesn't use AI would never sort of be allowed to, to get away with it really in the same extent that yeah. if it's automatic people kind of go oh well you know it's already it's already done you know it's like well no change it get involved yeah undo it and it's so hard to get things 
unremoved or whatever. Yeah. I, mean, I do sound so old, don't I? <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about, um, I'm going to, I think in the next episode, I'm going to go more into um, some of the stuff I, the, the thought around, um, yeah, the kind of different platforms and, and how queer people interact with them. Um, yeah, I think we need to, we need to look at the, the proven failings of, um, so we've got, so we could, um, another kind of really distressing article I found was about um, automatic gender recognition software, um, AGR, um, and how, oh, and I hate how it. that affects trans people for example and anyone who sits outside of um you know binary norms um physically and you know this is really unacceptable it's it's mad and does it mean that gender recognition software is inherently transphobic you know maybe it maybe it does um and we should be it feels like it does it certainly does because i mean do they have an option for a non-binary on there you know we need to revise it we need to rework it we need to do better and the article i found was used the example of um the ticket in berlin in the on the on the u-bahn and the s-bahn services um, to give uh, women a discount using the trains to like to highlight like the gender pay gap or something like that, and obviously it just completely <laughs> didn't take into account um, anyone whose faces didn't match up to whatever the technology had you know assigned as the norm for that for those two binary yeah. genders you know it's just absolutely mad that is so that blah, that sounds like it would backfire a lot you know you can't base someone's gender on how they how they that look that does not take into um, account so much variation no you just can't you just cannot that's the same not way you how can't, that works you know, their voice my my alexa mm. if i do say if i say her name she's probably gonna say hello to me but if i say you know Cute. sorry i'm not sure <laughs> There we are. Um, she's she's here with me. Always. Um, if I say, you know, I don't see her as as a woman trapped inside a little um, a little bot. I, I, you know, I see it as a piece of, a piece of technology and, and it exists as its own thing. I don't see it as like, you know, a woman like violently stroll, scrolling through Wikipedia to answer my, I don't know, my silly cooking questions or whatever. <laughs> like, Your very, uh, very term, valid questions. My very valid questions about how long to cook uh, rice for and all those kind of things that I ask her in the in the heat of the moment. Um, You know, it is a, it's a robot and I'm okay with that. So just, yeah, just to finish, I'm going to... um. I'm gonna sort of park it there for this week. Um, okay. I'm gonna quote the uh, the opening credits to uh, Janelle Monae's film Dirty Computer. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. I have not. Uh, so she released this um, what she calls an emotion picture, Whoa. and it's like a nearly yeah, it's nearly fifty minutes long. It's like a kind of short film um, to accompany the album Dirty Computer. I highly recommend you go and watch it. It's on Vimeo. Uh, it's great. And the opening uh, the opening line is and the cleaning began. You were dirty if you looked different. You were dirty if you refused to live the way they dictated you. You were dirty if you showed any form of opposition. Whoa. So I was like, oh, Janelle's onto something. Um, and I really think it is, you know, as soon as we, yeah, as soon as <laughs> you're anything kind of deviating from those kind of binary norms, um, you are you are dirty and you are different. And, you know, if we're, do- if we're not careful soon, you know, the patterns will kind of, be so deeply embedded and those biases will completely kind of over overshadow any kind of human element oh god i'm getting really kind of conspiracy theorist aren't i like i feel like if we don't act now <laughs> no do it yeah soon, like, no you that's know, free so speech will be you know we think we're really free we've got we've got our instagram we've got our twitter and we can say whatever we want but we can't because it's being sort of policed and people in the community are being policed already yeah man i, I did a um my thesis in on my master's course I did it on artificial intelligence and robots in film over 50 years Mm. um and I was looking at like 
attitude towards like how they interact with the other characters what's the overall kind of depiction of them and for the most part if they're like if they were like a sort of a helping helping robot they would actually in the films quite often be men and if they're if it was a a a female robot they were usually like a temptress or like um so have you seen her or like in um uh ex machina um, she's like trying to tempt him away, yeah, and it's this kind of allure of almost like those real dolls, which are a hideous, yeah. like terrifying thing to me. Um, but then, actually, like over the the fifty years, attitudes towards the technology of artificial intelligence and in basically in in personified form yeah. is like it's greatly uh, it's moved so positive. Like in the, at the start of the fifty year period, it was like you know horrific. Um, overlords using robots as their kind of mercenaries to go around to keep everyone in line and then at the end of the 50 years it was like everyone had a happy little helper friend that was also a robot and it wasn't everything great and isn't alexa nice put it in your home so we can listen to your Uh conversations please Uh you know it was really like really stark change um and i think it is so interesting and uh, like you say like it it completely changes how you think and yeah it's weird you know those kind of yeah the kind of how um you know how certain forms and you know particularly like the female form is is represented in these like weirdly like highly convincing um you know dolls and um you know and how how they're then interacted with and kind of objectified and, and sexualized and you know mm. not just in film but incredibly it's, sexualized it's very, it's, I mean, it's very dark isn't it but i don't know if you if you know about the um the amber doll test what are you you wrote about that. I don't think. No, I don't it's know. A sort it. of artist, artist who had this replica, yeah, replica doll mm. made of um, of herself, and you know, put this doll into kind of situations where people would interact with it, and um, yeah, because it was molded replica, yeah, exact replica of of this woman, um, it kind of depicted how you know how that how like the female body is interacted with, how it manifests in um, in just a purely physical form, and and people were in every instance people were like laughing at it and grabbing it and poking it and touching it and you know thrusting at it and it you know would that happen if it was a non-sexualized female body like who knows and um, mm. anyway there's way more i could say on that yeah <laughs> but, but it's yeah it's it's pretty um it's it's kind of horrific when you see like people interacting with with those the like okay on the sex robot thing like watch a horrible channel 4 documentary about men with their sex robots and that's kind of another another thing but yeah there's this whole like uh disrespect mm. that's given towards the ai you know there was that um it was it was called tay and it was a chatbot on twitter that microsoft developed i think that like came under attack Mm. so there was a group of people who coordinated to talk to to tay online and basically fuel really disturbing conversations with her because she would interact with you whatever Mm. you were saying and she ended up i think within like within a 24-hour period she ended up like a a hitler loving sex crazed maniac like telling everyone to suck her dick daddy and it was just like oh what and they had to take it down immediately because it would it was learning as it was um developing and then they just they kind of manipulated it to be that but it's just like people know that you can influence ai but Mm. like not generally for the right like in the right way Yeah, yeah, yeah you know there's always this kind of malicious kind of let's destroy what they've made kind of feeling um and yeah it is it is overtly like there's a huge sexualization in it and then in in a very heterosexual way in a very heterosexual way, you know, 
there's no like middle ground is there it's either you know you don't respect it or you yeah you either kind of yeah objectify it or you just don't care about it and don't engage with yeah. it there's not this kind of happy medium no it's such a oh. anyway just just some thoughts just some just some thoughts <laughs> just food for thought definitely oh thank you that was so so interesting <laughs> yeah well um we'll pick it up we'll pick it up next time um no that was so interesting and i i have got so many thoughts about ai and i just i need to hold them back a little bit i think um there's so much to say there's so much there's so much this it's such a huge area and like no 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 i'm not gonna do this Uh, (laughs) i will move on um yeah so today i'm gonna talk about uh yeah today i'm gonna talk about um the history of pronouns in english Mm. Okay. I'll first cite my sources. So I used an article from the Toast um, by Gretchen McCullen, a uh, note McCullough, called "A Linguist on the Story of Gendered Pronouns." One on the website for the Oxford English Dictionary, a brief history of singular they. Mm-hmm. Uh, two YouTube videos I re- uh, watched, one by Amanda Montel on uh, where do gendered pronouns come from, which is uh, for her show, The Dirty Word, quote, where sex and language get it, get it on. <laughs> I loved it. It was a really good video. One by Jake Edwards uh, on the history of pronouns. And then I read two Wikipedia articles, which were quite dry, but necessary. One on gender in English and gender neutral- neutrality in genderless languages. Because... Uh, and I'm not sure uh, if this is the case for most people, but I don't remember learning much about grammar in English at all when we did it at school. And like, I think it's much more a thing now. And when I learned, um, so I had, had German lessons outside of school um, because I really wanted to learn German because I thought it would be really cool. My teacher would teach me the English grammar first and then the German grammar so that I could actually mm. see the difference and understand how the sentence was structured different differently. And like that actually really helped. But for the most part in in school, I wasn't taught anything about mm. grammar or, you know, wasn't taught much about grammar. I don't remember. Yeah. So there's gendered and non-gendered uh, pronouns in English. OK, so and obviously, like I'm sure, you know, there's a there's a bit of controversy around the use of the pronoun they to be singular mm-hmm. rather than plural. And what I'm curious about is why? Why is that yeah. such a contentious issue in English? Um, and maybe maybe I'm dumb but like I don't it doesn't feel like it's that much of an issue in other mm-hmm. languages okay um but when it comes to gendered language in English like we're particularly fucked in this area just because okay. of the history and because of like yes good great but yeah so there's about about a quarter of the world's languages use a system which is called grammatical gender and that's where you have like uh, masculine words feminine words and neuter mm-hmm. words these are nouns sorry and um, this is like, you know, you'll know it in German, French, Spanish, where the word is masculine, feminine, feminine or neuter. And that changes other words around it based on what its uh, category is. Yeah. For example, there's the sentence in French, le chat est sur la table. Le chat is the cat and that's masculine for some reason. And la table is feminine mm-hmm. for some reason as well. And like for most languages or like for some languages, there's actually no particular reason why the word is feminine, masculine or neuter. You can't, you can't always tell if it's going to be a masculine or feminine word or neuter based Mm. on like how it looks or the context you just kind of have to learn it right I tried learning Swedish for a while as well and I watched some videos online about whether or not it's uh what the 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 word is and they were just like you just have to learn there's no rhyme or reason you just have to learn it because we do so you do and I was like all right rude (laughs) um and for most languages that don't have grammatical gender 
which are like you know Filipino, Turkish, or Finnish. Um, these are called genderless languages, as opposed to like gender neutral language, which is just the like conscious effort to make language inclusive. So these genderless languages, they don't have the gendered nouns with the special powers to change other words. Um, and they don't always, they don't usually have gendered pronouns, but they do sometimes and they do sometimes have words for roles which are gendered, like, you know, the difference between husband yeah. and wife, mother and father, you know, things like that. And ge- English does not have grammatical gender. And like I'm sure that's, you know, that's obvious. We don't refer to inanimate objects as either masculine, feminine or neuter. But we do retain the use of um, feminine, masculine and neutral pronouns. And that sort of gender in our language is called natural gender. It's based on uh, like a natural, quote, interpretation of gender affiliation. It's based off the sex, gender identity or perceived sexual characteristics of who that pronoun is referring to. So that's like natural gender. And for the personal pronouns, like just to recap, we have he, she and it. Okay. And then we also have the singular they and the generic he. Okay. And they are all for singular people. Okay, so, and that's, you know, that's according to Wikipedia, that's according to dictionaries. They're all singular. He, she, it, they, and he, again. Okay, so he is, he, I'll get, I'll get onto that one in a minute. It's, it's a bit weird. And there's a, the linguist uh, Gretchen from the article in the Toast, she wrote, it's quite weird cross-linguistically to lack a grammatical gender system and yet still encode mm. natural gender on one tiny set of gra- uh, grammaticalized words, yeah. aka your pronouns. So we're, it's a weird language. It's a weird time. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah, we don't care about the the table or Mr. Cat. Exactly. But we, have, but we really care about um, him and his. Exactly. We really, for some reason, that's all we've kept hold of. And why would that be? I hear you ask. Why would that be, Hannah? Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm so glad you asked. Uh, it's a complicated history about you know the fact that we're we've been a little unorganized island for quite a long time <laughs> and we were invaded over time by multiple other european countries we're a mess it's okay to say it we're a hot hot mess and about a thousand years ago uh, in old english we did actually use grammatical genders so we had gendered nouns in the categories feminine masculine and neuter okay. and like in other languages with grammatical gender uh, you often can't know the gender of the noun by its meaning, you know. So, mm. as I mentioned, you just kind of have to know it. And it's not obvious like it is in, I think it's Spanish, where it's O or A on the end is quite a good indicator. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of a mess. And here's the fun thing. So, although nouns in Old English referring to men were generally masculine, and for the most part the masculine words were for men and the feminine words were for women, there was actually a lot of words for women that didn't follow the rules, and there was a sizable number of words for women that were either neutral or masculine. Okay, So there was multiple generic nouns for woman stretching across all three genders, for example, the neuter wif, the masculine wifman, um, and also the feminine frau, which is quite a German word. Although we had grammatical gender, it didn't really follow like any kind of lines. Again, a hot mess of a language. Then in the 11th century, this is, uh, is a bit of a history lesson, sorry, the grammatical gender in English began to decline. So, And it's thought that this... Um, was influenced by a number of things, including uh, the Norman Conquest, in which William the Conqueror conquered uh, in about 1066, and he brought an old form of French, which smashed together with Old English and made, you know, the bastard that we know as Middle English. So then, by the 13th century, Middle English was in transition, and the loss of grammatical gender and the loss of gender classes for nouns was generally gone Mm -hmm. And by the 14th century, it was pretty much dropped altogether. And it's thought that, you know, maybe one of the reasons for that is as well to make it easier, easier to learn, because it was such a mess of a language. 
and we had the the dialects across the country were so incredibly dis, uh, different from each other yeah, yeah. that perhaps one of the reasons it happened was to make it easier and more sorry more, more cohesive across the board and in middle english uh, the pronouns in use were similar to those we know today but it also had some differences um, that I think will be interesting. So until a few hundred years ago, the pronoun you was only meant as a plural. Hmm. So that's what we'd say like as they now. Yeah. So you was only a plural for a group of people. And the singular version... You the, the people. Yeah, you the people. And the singular version thou was uh, for a, one person. An individual. An individual, yeah. And then people started using you as a singular as well, Okay as you know people do, people do with they and because then you became quite universally used the use of thou eventually died out okay it just wasn't needed anymore mm. there were there were all sorts of pronouns flying around you know it was a language in flux and language is always in flux and you know it's taken a you know hundreds of years for us to get to modern english and from the 14th century to the 18th century there were pronouns like a ow uh, which is just the letter A and then O-U for our. And from the 18th century, there were ones like Ip, uh, Lee, Ear, E, just the letter E, and then Don, which is a, a contraction of that one. But these came and went, you know, as words always do, you know, they just kind of transition between whatever people find useful at the time. Yeah. Whatever you're using, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever you think, whatever the language is for you, that is language. Whatever works, yeah. Whatever the language is and, you know, right? Yeah, get over it. It's already happening. It is. People are using it. It is. Um, because language is fluid, like it's a tool that we use to express ourselves and talk about the world and our experiences. You know, it's, it's always going to be relevant specifically to the person saying it. You know, we've all heard people use words incorrectly and just known what they meant anyway you know, and not corrected them because sometimes that's like, you know, take take slang. Slang is one of the most dynamic areas of language and new words, new phrases arise yeah. and they drop out of favour in, you know, on like a monthly basis, you know, based on what I can yeah, see yeah, yeah. from the TikToks which make it onto Instagram because I'm too old for TikTok. I'm definitely yeah. too old for TikTok. Whatever the kids are saying. They just, they make up words and then like three years too late, people our age start saying and it. And that's, that's culture. <laughs> and that's culture. <laughs> So yeah, this brings me to the use of they as a singular pronoun. I had a, a conversation with a manager, you know, every year ago now um, about pronouns. And he staunchly told me that the use of they as a single pronoun, quote, breaks the English language. And honestly, he's just wrong. It's just not a, it's just not a it's fact. Just, it's just it? not a fact. It is incorrect. You know, the use of they as a singular pronoun for someone whose gender you don't know or whose gender you want to conceal has been used from the 14th century until the 1700s um, when it was then proposed that he should be the gender neutral term. Not really sure about that. Yeah. So is that the second? That's the second That's he, the second he uh, that I said at the beginning. And they would only be should only be for plural groups. OK, or groups but then and then again in the 1850s british parliament argued that he should the second he should be taken as including women as well so as not to seem sexist and exclusive because he or she in quotations was considered too oh, yes. clumsy you know they didn't have the language for um understanding non-binary identities so they just thought he and that kind of just, yeah. it kind of just feels like they were just too lazy you know they're like oh yeah we've written just he into all yeah, our they already had a they word. already had a word but what i mean is that it sounds like they've just already written he into all their legislation then been like oh fuck i don't want to go back and like mm -hmm. add or she in it so just just imagine it's expensive to reprint yeah that. just imagine that that's mm -hmm. what i meant 
And then, you know, but in the sort of this time, 1700s, 1850s, educators were trying to push the neutral he, but didn't catch on because people just kept using they as the singular, singular neutral term because that worked, you know, that worked fine. Yeah. There was no need to change it or to use a word that already had an inherent mm. meaning for men, not change it at all and then use it for yeah. for a generic term. They... Yeah, not use that instead. Exactly. Of, they yeah. was already gender neutral. And, you know, that just kind of shows that, you know, language is dictated by those who use it. You can't just come in and say, like, no, I've decided that you're going to use this word differently now. It's like, it's, a, it's an organic process, mm. you know. And... You, the single, the singular yeah. they never went away. No, it never went away. And I mean, take the example of someone's. Someone has left their plate in the sink. Someone has left their plate in the sink. That's a perfectly correct sentence. No grammatical issues, and it's a clear singular because it's referring to someone. Okay, and that's a fr like those sorts of phrases yeah. people use every day. And they, you know, the singular. Yeah. If you don't know, don't assign. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's 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 common and it's unconscious, you know? It's not nobody says uh, somebody has left his or her plate in the sink. It's just too much too much effort. You know, um one of the reasons so yeah. linguistically one of the reasons most of our our most common words that we use most often tend to be shorter, the shortest words. They may have been longer at some point, but we shortened them because yeah. it like for efficiency of language and so we're not going to say his or her, we'll just yeah. say there because that is so much easier. So the use of the singular they has been there since the 14th century. So that's that's for sure a fact. But for whatever reason, people still reject it, uh, like particularly for the use for non-binary gendered people, which is where most of the argument about whether or not you can use they as a singular pronoun kind of stems from, you know. Nobody's arguing about whether or not you can use it to refer to a person whose gender you don't know. They're like refusing to use it for somebody who they know is non-binary okay and in a brief history yeah. of uh, the singular they which is the oxford english dictionary article which is honestly is absolutely hilarious like, it was a really enjoyable read they explained that the singular they has become the pronoun of choice to replace he uh, and she in cases where the gender is unknown irrelevant or non-binary or where gender needs to be concealed you know so there's very reasonable those are all very reasonable reasons to use they, you know. Its purpose for the non-binary genders receives the most pushback of all of these options. And there's a bunch of reasons for this, most of which seem to have, like, maybe it sounds harsh, but most of them just seem to stem from some kind of prejudice at its root, okay? Some of that is, like, intellectual mm. snobbery. You know, the institution of the Chicago Manual of Style rejects the use of the singular, singular they informal writing people want to be the the what do they call them something awful like grammar nazis and they're like well actually in if you look at the mm. use of the english language it's not singular and it's like people wanting to be right instead of respectful and in like in tennessee yeah. they said this really hilarious line um i don't know who wrote it actually because it just didn't have a, a, a byline tennessee state legislature legislature passed a law banning the use of taxpayer dollars for gender-neutral pronouns, despite the fact that no one knows how much a pronoun actually costs, which I just thought was amazing. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, they're just trying to ban... They don't know what they're doing. It's like that state that didn't want to legalise yeah. like gay marriage, and so instead they just banned hetero marriage as well. And it's just like, oh, it's confusion. It's hurt itself. <sighs> but... Yeah, we can't make the distinct... The, you know, the distinct... The distinct, you know, the distinction. So we're just gonna, 
you know, it's all wrong. It's is all we're bad. just, yeah, we don't want to include you, so we're going to exclude everyone. Um, but, you know, there are some sensible people too. Um, the former chief editor of the Oxford English Dictionary, Robert Bur- uh, Birchfield, uh, in the new Fowler's Dictionary of Modern English Usage in 1996, okay, that's finished, he dismisses the objection to the singular they mm-hmm. as unsupported by the hist- historical record, i.e. it's never been incorrect to use they as hooray. a single pronoun. I know, hooray, the dictionary believes in us and hooray. maybe a dictionary isn't, like the most definitive it's just not worth it it's not worth the, the fight it's not worth the fight and like i know some people are like oh but you know all the other di- like the dictionary doesn't have it or whatever but actually the dictionary does have they as a singular pronoun but also even if it didn't that doesn't mean it's not correct you know because the dictionary doesn't have a bunch of words yeah. the dictionary doesn't have all sorts of slang or pidgin english yeah. it just it has some words they're trying more and more to include more and more slang as it becomes commonplace you know so actually uh, just on the sidebar like mm. the word non-binary if it's they usually write words that are kind of new to the uh, vocabulary of a language like non-binary hyphenated to begin with and then as it becomes more common parlance you'll see it as just the word non-binary without a hyphen or one word and that's when it's become like more um really just more um what's the word accepted yeah more accepted just more um, worked into the kind of language as a a standard commonplace word yeah so that's a really interesting thing that i was reading as well It just seems like so much. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it just seems like so much controversy for like. Because it takes a while. I don't know how long it takes, or what the you know what the um what the criteria is for something going into the dictionary. I don't know what how long that that process really takes. Um, yeah, but yeah, it 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 acknowledges. It's not like the Bible of what to use, but it, it is what you know. It's an acknowledgement of what is already happening. Mm. And it, it yeah, it's an um, acknowledgement of like right? just recognize words we don't use thon anymore because it's not popular yeah it's no longer but it useful. was a word at the time right yes uh there's so much controversy for a word and wording that people do use every day and we've seen that we've seen it we know it they use it every day without noticing but there's that problem mm-hmm. with the singular they as a gender neutral for a no- gender neutral term for non-binary people and so you know fine if you don't want to use they the the queer community has come up with new pronouns, you know, neo pronouns. I think they're called as an as an alternative. These are definitely singular pronouns. Yeah, if you want them, take them. You know, you have z, zir, mix, um, which and mix apparently was first used in about the nineteen seventies, possibly a little bit earlier. We have hue and per, which are short for human and person, and things like that. But the uptake has been fairly slow with those two. You know, it seems like it's a lot easier for people to use an existing word in a slightly different way to normal, the singular they, um, than to incorporate brand new pronouns into their vocabulary altogether. But the pushback still continues. You know, they're not there's not this acceptance of the new pronouns and there's still a, a resistance to use an old pronoun in a perfectly normal way that they just have some kind of issue with. And it just kind of feels like yeah. the, the gender neutral they is both fine and not fine for those that are refusing to use it for one particular reason. You know, It's fine when they want to unconsciously do it as part of their everyday speech, but not fine when you're asked to do it out of respect for someone's identity. And it just, it's so... Yeah. It's so infuriating because it's like you you use the word in this way already. All I'm asking, like, is for somebody to refer to me using that gender neutral pronoun. And that's where you get this real, like, staunch, like, no, I don't want to. And it just speaks a lot more about something deeper 
you know, and especially when people try and point to grammar mm. and say, oh, no, it doesn't work, or historically that's not how it's been done, yeah. because that's not true. And it just kind of, um, yeah. I think, I think... That's just BS, guys. Exactly. It's, you know, it's just about effort. People don't want to relearn. And it doesn't take that long, right? You know, people's uh, grandparents are but learning. But they don't, it's not even necessarily like a relearning. Yeah. It's just... It's just effort, a little bit of effort. Yeah, grandparents are learning and like... A willingness exactly and you just honestly like it took me a few goes like I think it took me a good couple of weeks of like practicing using they as a singular pronoun about a person and then it was fine like with any with anything you just have to practice like and it's no it's not a horrible awful thing to get it wrong like every now and then by accident but it is it's pretty it's like disrespectful Mm. to get it wrong Mm. on purpose you know and it just feels like it's such a it's a lack a specific lack of acceptance and understanding about non-binary genders Mm. and identities yeah and it's just you know it's that whole thing is is it feels like to me it feels like it is more effort to be bigoted than to just than to be respectful you know non yeah exclusionary and it is about respect if someone says to you use this sorry non-inclusive yeah to be non-inclusive exactly it's an effort and you know it um unpins so much effort that that person um you know may have you know the journey that that person may have gone on um with their identity in order to you know to disclose that and to tell you to you know to say these can you use these pronouns these are the ones I use to identify and mm. um, these work for me and I use them and they're yeah. true and they speak and they speak for me and they represent me. Exactly. You know, it's, it's a big job of, you know, a couple of letters, right? And, you know, to just to completely disregard that, you know, once somebody has asked and once somebody has specified, once you know, there is, you know, there's no excuse for it. No, and it's it does, just, it just, yeah, it just feels... It's poor human humanism. Exactly. It does just specifically feel like, uh, disrespect for that person like I said like maybe it does feel weird and does feel bad but just the best way to get past that is to to practice you know practice using those the they pronoun as a Normalize singular it, yeah. with someone that you feel comfortable with you know just try out a few phrases and, and try out a few sentences and just it's it's easy it is pretty easily done you know it comes quite naturally once you just sort of yeah. focus a bit yeah and, you know, people who are going to, you know, fight to the death for, um, you know, for it to be a battle are going to, you know, going to get left behind. And um, it's about, you know, it's about inclusivity and it's just about not, yeah, just respecting the individual, as you say. It just comes down to respect, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But that's it. That's all I think I have to say on the t- on the topic. It was, there was so many... Well, thanks for clearing that up. No, <laughs> that's all right. Because I, I sort of have these conversations with people. I'm like, no. No, it is singular. It's always been singular. It's okay for it to be singular. They're like, I don't think so. So I just, I really needed to kind of get that, get that knowledge, get that done. Just know. (laughs) So, um, so what was, yeah, so since the, what did you say, the 17th century? We need like the the quick kind of since Since the 14th um, century. Backslap, don't we? Yes. Since Chaucer's days. Since the 14th century. Well, thank you so much for clearing that up. Um, And... Yeah, please, uh, please join us next time. And in the uh, in the meantime, please, uh, you know, get in touch on social media. You can find us on Twitter um, and Instagram as uh, Radio Zaddy uh, X A D D Y. Um, I've been Daisy Thurston Gent. I've been Hannah Bestwick. Yes, and it's been uh, what a dream team. What a dream I mean, team. I love doing these with you every um, exactly every episode. highlight of um, my every two weeks. 
Yeah, right. fine monthly. Well, take care. Cheers. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye.